0: And thanks so much for joining me for this week's episode of When I Grew Up. On today's episode, it's my pleasure to welcome my guest, Eddie Lai. Hey, Eddie, how are you?
1: I'm doing well, Blair. How are you doing today?
0: I'm doing great. Thanks so much for um, coming on with me today. Of course. Um, yeah, so Eddie, actually, I don't. we were just talking before the podcast started on how we kind of met each other or even... Ha- Um, how this happened today, us meeting. Um, Well, Eddie reached out to me and was like, hey, like, do you want to talk about health, like health administration and stuff? I'm like, what even is that? Yeah, I want to talk about it. Um, So Eddie, thank you so much again for taking the initiative to reach out to me.
1: Yeah, of course. Uh, I think my life is a series of random coincidences and connections. So I'm happy that you know, uh, you as a podcast host responded and gave me an opportunity to hopefully speak about, you know, what brought me to this point in my career and hopefully inspire some people to consider health administration or um, this realm as a career and or just get understanding for their own life.
0: Yeah, I am so excited to learn more. Um, I'm, you know, I uh, try not to do too much studying before I uh, talk with people because I found that I'm not as like, a good interviewer unless Mm -hmm. if I know too much Mm because then I start to assume things. So just Mm -hmm. again, pretend like I know nothing because I know nothing today. (laughs) Sounds good. Um, Okay, so without, you know, me rambling on some more, um, Eddie, what exactly is it that you do?
1: Oh, right. Yes. Um, So what I do currently is I work in Emory Healthcare's Innovation Hub and so uh, I am a, a second member of a two-member team, um, officially in the Innovation Hub. Uh, we do work with people in, at Emory Healthcare uh, on the IT side, on some clinical informatics side, different uh, areas. And so uh, kind of just to step back a little bit, um, Emory Healthcare uh, is located in Atlanta, Georgia, metro area. Uh, it's a 11-hospital integrated healthcare system, which means academic health system, which means that... It is. Uh, it has a school of medicine that um, has different students who are working uh, within various facilities at Emory and elsewhere. Uh, it has research, a big research component, and it has the healthcare delivery side. So your your that that side is what you classically think about when you go to the hospital, mm-hmm. to the ER, to surgeries, to mm-hmm. ICU, things like that. Mm-hmm. Obviously, a lot of spotlight in the past couple of years uh, because of COVID nineteen. Um, but of course, um, you know hospitals have existed for a while. Uh, Hopefully they will continue to exist in the future, but I do think they are changing. So uh, our innovation team uh, started, um, our innovation hub started in 2018. um, And it was formed uh, with a desire to kind of interface with large companies, uh, well, large to medium to small companies, but uh, initially uh, with some large uh, partners who wanted to innovate in healthcare. And so uh, when, um, you know, you think about it, uh, it ranges from pharmaceutical companies to uh, insurance companies to um, medical device companies who want to maybe think about how to validate uh, their products from, you know, hardware to software uh, in a clinical setting, but they themselves might not have a whole hospital, right? And so Mm -hmm. they kind of approach uh, different hospitals such as emory healthcare uh to to do so um now they could do this uh, on a research end or they could do this on an operational end and so my job as the uh innovation hub administrator i've been in my role for um just around a year now is to help um uh you know listen to these projects and understand um how we actually feasibly do that at a hospital like emory because a lot of people have ideas but not everyone necessarily um you know, has worked in the hospital and understands how do you, who do you talk to, uh, on the IT side, who do you talk to on the clinical side, who do you talk to on the operational side to actually get this done mm-hmm. in a way that is uh, both compliant, uh, ethical, and um, you know, safe for uh, both our patients and, and providers. Um, but the reason I was able to do that was some of my previous background in health administration on the operations and strategy side uh, when I first came to Emory. So happy to talk about that more later as well.
0: Yes. Okay. That was a lot of information, Eddie. I'm not going (laughs) to lie. Um, But um, okay. Just so I get a grip on what it is that you do. So what I heard, which by the way, all of it is extremely like, it sounds very cool because even this, like the word... Inno- innovation is how you say. Innovation,
1: saying? yeah like,
0: i'm like oh like so trendy like this word <laughs> but yeah. um people but, also
1: like what does it mean <laughs>
0: yeah like so i mean i heard basically you are the middleman for bigger companies trying to implement things into the hospital but don't know how and you're the person that will probably know how to do it the most efficient and effective way
1: Is that right? Uh, That's actually a great um, summary. I, I, you know, I am kind of that liaison. um, Uh And so I help uh, connect them to the right people. So in a way, I'm my my functions are to project manage these projects uh, to make sure that everyone on the Emory side is doing things Mm -hmm. and that that's getting back to, you know, some of these companies or people that we work with. Um, And the other side of that is that um, with the Innovation Hub being, uh, you know, uh, just over three years old, uh, helping to program manage the the program, thinking about how do we more effectively do these types of projects in a way that will help everyone involved. And so kind of strategizing that area.
0: That is so cool (laughs) because like those are things that I never think about, but someone has to do it. And I, that's what I love about this podcast anyways, but, um, is that I, people come and share their stories and their jobs and literally it's never crossed my mind. Before.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I mean, you know, to that point, I would say that I'm, I'm the first person who's ever held this role. Like this role was created and I I took it. And so, uh, and, it, and it, in a way, I don't know if it was created for me, but I know that at one point I asked for a job in this team and they said no. And then later, a week later there happened to, there was then created a job and I was the first name that came to mind. Um, and so happy to, you know, share about that whole process, because I think that was a very, very interesting uh, process as well.
0: Yeah. Amazing. Can you wait before we, I ask you about that, actually. Um, yeah. So uh, what is a typical day for you look, for you um, look like then?
1: Yeah. Um, and this is a very cliche answer in the world of healthcare administration, especially is that no day is the same, but I would say a typical day, Uh, I start around 8.45 uh, with some uh, kind of an internal huddle we have uh, with some of the team members that um, we work with and IT to understand kind of uh, what are some quick escalations that we need to do uh, similar to in tech. You hear about stand-ups, um, uh, similar to in the hospital. We have um, in the operations world these things called huddles, where um, the idea is that instead of emailing everyone all day um, to f- figure out an answer, you all just go to one big meeting where you talk about all your problems, mm-hmm. and then you know you're like, I have a problem with. I, I don't know, like, uh, technology and It's like, well, the technology person's over there, go talk to them. Mm. So it's like, you know, solved very quickly. It's a form of lean methodology, which is barred from manufacturing and other things. Um, so I'll have that stand up, um, you know, talk about as any escalations. And then the rest of my day kind of varies between, uh, meetings I have with different, um, people within the hospital or externally, you know, those companies I spoke about, you know, their team members or, um, internally, um, people that um, we need to touch base with on certain progress meetings or, um, you know, think through how do we, uh, you know, functionally do some of these projects. Um, so that's part, that's one part of it. The other part of it is like kind of tracking down on your classic emails and uh, whatever, just checking down, Hey, you know, where's this thing at? What's the timeline for this uh, kind of keeping everyone on track because everyone has exactly what they need to do, but they might not know what other people are doing um, and they might not have the time or bandwidth to connect with everyone. In one huge meeting, you know, we have like 40 people, right, especially in the hospital admin uh, world and clinical world, especially these days with COVID-19. Uh, and the other part is kind of thinking about, OK, um, talking to people and seeing, you know, what are the problems that they they have right now and how do we solve them and then going out and well going out on the internet and seeing um you know what exists already uh and um you know maybe who they've worked at with emory or other health systems and um seeing you know what's interesting to bring in so i get a lot of people who reach out uh because just because of the name of my role on my linkedin or something saying hey i have this product um i'm interested mm. in working with emory and I, I usually say like well show me first i'm kind of like the gate well, I don't tell them i'm the gatekeeper but i tell them like you know i don't make the ultimate decision but if you have a good pitch for me then maybe i'll consider mm-hmm. um i will say i i would say my um my meter for um my meter tolerance for um you know companies who who actually know what they're doing uh has has definitely honed over the the year i would say or over the years and so you can kind of tell when someone you know actually knows what they're talking about and when someone is just kind of riding the whatever COVID wave (laughs) or digital innovation wave. Um, That being said, I mean, there's a lot of stuff that sometimes I might not know what to do. So I just say, hey, it seems interesting to me, talk to someone who's actually an expert in like this specific field of orthopedics or Mm -hmm. um, hematology or something Mm -hmm, like that.
0: um, Okay, so, sorry, I am trying to wrap my head around like uh your job a little bit more because i really Mm -hmm. do want to understand it yeah um well okay the first thing that i wanted to ask you was you know you mentioned like they want to show you your their product but i'm confused by that what does that mean like can i get a real live example
1: (laughs) yeah so product can vary between you know hardware so um like a medical device uh or a software so it's easier for especially on the online to show a software because mm. they can just share their screen and say like this is how the software works this is what it would do this is what it would integrate with like and for example just...
0: like a software would be like for maybe like for nurses to use or something I don't yeah know. I'll,
1: I'll give an example um so let's say they have a product that helps schedule nurses um uh, more using ai right okay they'll okay, show okay. like okay i have a I have a list of nurses in this unit that usually uh, someone would uh, manually just go down the line and say, Oh, we need nurses. Like this person called out, we need to go down the line. But then um, the, and then you have to cross reference like paper calendars or something, mm-hmm. but they said like, mm-hmm. Oh, our product will um, use AI or whatever to smartly understand who can you know work right away. And then they'll show me, you know, the the mobile version, the um, you know, the desktop version, and I'll ask questions like, well, what if this happens? Or like, who have you worked with the, before? Or like, mm-hmm. how did you come up with this idea to understand kind of both their motivation? And I'll ask, like, what is your business model? Right. Like, do we subs- what we subscribe to you? Is this a one-time payment? Because that's also important. And the mm-hmm. idea is for me to get all the information so I can think, like, okay, is this a good product? Who should I talk to at Emory? um, that would know more about the nuances here or that, but I can still speak to them saying, Hey, I came across this product. Cause they know me personally. And I'll be like, I know this product. They seem good to me. This is what they're doing. This is what I've posted them. This is what I think might be good about it. this is what, this is what my, I think like they need to explain more. Um, so that's kind of what it is.
0: So you're kind of like a merchandiser for the health industry.
1: Um, I, you know, I don't know what a merchandiser exactly is. Sorry, so I, I just right like, answers.
0: it's like, you know, like in the fashion world, if you work for Nordstrom's, you decide what products come in and co- and don't come in. And then like you, okay, that, sorry, that clicks in my mind. But.
1: Yeah, well, you know, if you put it that way, I I would say to a degree, I oh, think that. Um, it's
0: just one of the things maybe. It's, it is think.
1: one of the components. Um, yeah. Uh, that probably is more, I guess, interesting to people. Um, but uh, I think that, you know, I I have some inputs and I bring it to the people. That doesn't stop people from, in your analogy, reaching directly out to like Nordstrom's themselves. But sure, sure. again, those people might not have the time to kind of think through because the, they're just trying to do their normal day job, right? Yes. But my day job is partly to understand this and to do this. And so I'm always... Like on LinkedIn, trolling around for the latest trends um, on, you know, Twitter, looking at, you know, different uh, doctors, seeing what they're seeing. So I have a bunch of podcasts and things that I'm subscribed to and newsletters I read.
0: That is really cool. Man. Okay. So, um, oh, another thing I wanted to ask was, so again, just for like a better understanding and clarification for myself, Mm -hmm. um, could you give me an example like I don't even know if you can actually tell me this. I don't know if there's some sort of legal like thing you're not supposed sure. to say anything, mm-hmm. but, um, like, of like you know where you felt your job, like you were in the right place at the right time. Like you felt like, oh, this is why I'm doing this. Do you get what I'm asking you?
1: Yeah, I hear what you're saying. Um, I think for me, you know, I can speak to times in my previous roles at Emory when I first came that mm-hmm. that definitely like resonates and um that's when i was more health you know hospital administrator as we were kind of talking about earlier before the podcast i think right now i'm actually actively um i feel really good about this one company i'm not going to say the name i'm not going yeah, to exactly say the what name, don't do. say it. but <laughs> yeah i know um no copyright or whatever but um you know i've talked to them in varying degrees and i felt that they were very promising and i actually feel that if they do it right and they do it effectively, they can really change healthcare, right? There's Mm -hmm. not, it's not very often that I feel this way um, about certain companies. And so, um, and the reason I I felt like it's the right time, right place is because um, actually right now, Emory is going through an internal electronic medical record change. Mm -hmm. And so uh, if you're familiar with hospitals or anyone who's listening is that Electronic medical record, uh, for better or for worse, mostly for worse if you're on the clinical side, is kind of the backbone of the hospital operations side Mm -hmm, because mm -hmm. it captures kind of the schedules, it captures how we do things, um, the notes that people are always typing up when you go to the doctor's office, those are all captured in the medical record. Um, But um, with that comes a lot of excitement about a change, but also kind of opportunities to potentially introduce new changes. Um, so that's that's like part of it, but the other part is that as we go out um, to hear about the problems that our clinicians have, uh, whether that ranges from primary care to cardiology to whatever, we're finding that a lot of the challenges that they have uh, could could potentially be addressed by this software that I've been talking to, and um, you know I happened to come across them from from LinkedIn and connected with their CEO, and so it just so happened that like as we're hearing these problems, I'm hearing about, I'm talking to someone who might have a solution. Uh, and not to say that they're the only solution to the problems, but they are uh, one of the more promising ones I've seen. So uh, in that sense, um, you know, if it happens to go through, I can probably be look back and say, wow, I like brought that to a health system and hopefully save some lives, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's incredible. That's gave me the chills. <laughs>
1: yeah, that's the hope. And it's one of those things where, you know, I'm not a clinician so i'm not saving the life but the idea is hopefully that the work i do or i'm involved with can impact a lot of people down the line
0: sure sure yeah man that's crazy so you were saying that you felt like this position you know coincidentally opened up um after they said that they didn't have a spot open could you tell me more about that journey and how you got to where you are in this job
1: yeah happy to do so um you know I'll overlay this with that with that I feel like especially in my post college life well both in my college and post college life I've learned to just go for things and ask for things um and that has and it's a little bit counterintuitive to how I kind of grew up or was raised or uh, as a child was but, um, I've kind of, I think a lot of us kind of grow in our confidence in ourselves and, and and boldness. And so I've kind of found that, you know, the worst case that could happen would be like, no, but the best thing that could happen could be something great just mm-hmm. like this. And so just to overlay kind of some history is that, um, you know, I moved to uh, Atlanta, Georgia to work at Emory Healthcare, um, which is where I still work right now um, in 2019 as part of this program called uh, an Administrative Fellowship. Now, what that is in English is, um, it is kind of like a leadership development program for people interested in healthcare administration in hospitals. And so uh, if you think about, um, another word for them are uh, administrative residencies. So you can equate that to, if you know about medical residencies, excuse me, um, who, you know, for people who just graduated medical school, who are now um, residents and learning from, you know, different leaders and uh, different, they're attending doctors or nurses or whoever, to learn how to be the future professionals of um, their hospitals. Uh, Similarly, these programs are helping develop people who are coming from Master of Public Health, which is my background, uh, Master of Health Administration, MBA in healthcare, whatever it is, who are interested in working in hospitals and becoming leaders in hospitals. Um, So that's how I initially came. And maybe it was, you know, within our first couple of weeks, we meet with all the leaders of the hospital system and so um, maybe week one or week two we met with who now is my current boss who's the director of our innovation team and i i totally geeked out i was you know there's only there was four of us in the fellowship program you know we're all together all the time meeting different leaders and um you know met him and i said oh my gosh like this is exactly what i want to do mm-hmm. this is what i've been interested in since grad school and the intersection between healthcare and technology Uh, I never fully wanted to be, you know, a CEO of a hospital or a of a hospital. I mean, those are great things to do and great impact, but my interests were always kind of more on the data technology side. Um, and so, um, you know, I told him like, I, I would love to work for you, or I would love to work on projects with you. And he said, you know, right now we're still trying to figure things out. Um, but you know, let's keep in touch. Right. Mm -hmm. And so what I took that to be as is, was, um, every couple months I would just email him saying, Hey, uh, any jobs, any projects? And he would always say no. And he said, we should meet up though. Like, you know, uh, let's think about if you were to want to work for me, like what you should do in your fellowship oh, to, to do so. Right. And he would tell me like, you should work on these kind of projects. If you can, uh, you should talk to this guy or that person. And so that was, that was helpful. And so even during my fellowship, anytime, um, uh, projects came up that had to do with innovation or technology. I would always volunteer, even if they weren't in my original kind of projects. I was doing. I would always be like, "Hey, is there any way like I can get involved with this?" Um, similar to your point, uh, my point earlier on, kind of just asking for things. Uh, I would, you know, they would let me. Uh, we have this thing that we do in the fellowship, which is capital budgeting. So every year, we are uh, budgeting for the entire fiscal year. Uh, you know, allocation of money that can go to construction, that can go to whatever. I volunteered for the technology one. Cause I was like, that's my, what I'm interested in. Um, so fast forward, um, fellowship program is two years. Mm. Um, and during my second year, um, I ended up kind of taking more of an interim role at our vaccine clinic, which is a whole nother story of where I was working crazy hours. And I think for better, or for worse, um, uh, the better part is that I think a lot of the senior leadership noticed that I was like working very hard, mm. um, because that was like our big thing. Um, it, in fact, people I know got their vaccines at our clinic, which is pretty cool. Um, And so um, during that time, um, I was also thinking about, uh, you know, what to do after my fellowship. So I was looking at different jobs, uh, both in and out of healthcare, um, both in and out of Emory as well. And one day, what happened was, I just so happened to run into my boss getting his second dose of the vaccine at the clinic. And I was like, Hey, like, how are you doing? He's like, Oh, good. Um, what are you up to? And I go, I'm looking for jobs actually. Um, do you have any, he says, let me think about it and get back to you. And, um, what happened was, you know, I, I can't take that as a guarantee. So I was still applying to other jobs. Um, and I ended up getting a couple of job offers, you know, which was great. And, but I was still interested in this job. And then what happened was one day he, he calls me, he goes, Um, can we have a call? And I'm like, this is it, this is it. And we call, he goes, you know, where else are you applying? I'm like, I'm applying here and there. He's like, oh, you should take that job. And I was like, well, what do you mean? He goes, there's just nothing for you here right now. And I go, oh, that's not how I thought this call was going to go. He's like, well, see me as like just a mentor type figure, just giving you advice. And I was like, okay. Um, And so, you know, I continued to apply to other jobs and I, I had offers in hand that I was days away from accepting offers too. Right. Um, and then he, one day he texts me, he goes, Hey, uh, do you have a second? What are you doing right now? And I was like, nothing. I'm, I'm finishing up closing clinic. And he goes, let's chat. And he goes, so I changed my mind. Um, and I, we have a new role that I helped create. And the first person I thought of was you, not part to the fact that you've been bothering me for the past <laughs> two years. And I was like, he's like, what will, um, what will uh, keep you from taking this job? And I said, money <laughs> to a degree. And he said, well, what are you looking for? And I said, I just gave an amount that was more than all the other offers I had um, together so far. And he goes, yeah, uh, I think I can make that work. And I go, oh, okay. And then we got a fast track, you know, next day I talked to HR next time I talked to his boss. And then I had an offer standing by that following Monday. And so I ended up you know, taking my other offers and, um, you know, telling them no. And so, um, what I learned from that is that, uh, you're probably getting this too, is persistence is, uh, in a, in a way that is not too annoying, but also, you know, showing your desire, uh, actually pays off sometimes. Oh,
0: and no, the timing just happened to be, yeah. And times. the
1: timing happened to be just really good too, I think.
0: Yeah. I mean, I mean, Sure, being persistent is um, helpful and it does pay off. But there's no doubt in my mind, Eddie, that you were probably um, doing things to make yourself worth, you know, worth making the job position sure. open you know what I'm saying like I'm sure, sure you proved yourself worthy of this position so um in church sure more than just being persistent on your side
1: <laughs> yeah no that's true that's true I mean I always think of this quote and I'm probably gonna butcher it I'll have to google it later but something like I forget if Tom Brady said this but it was something like luck is when preparation meets opportunity yeah um yeah. so yeah. I would say in my top in my career I've be I've been lucky but I I have worked hard and I have kind of prepared myself in ways so that, you know, when opportunity comes, um, hopefully it's, you know, right time and place.
0: For sure. Now I have to ask, um, like in, how does one get inspired to go into health administration? (laughs) Like where Uh, did this all start?
1: Yes. Um, I would love to take some time to later on in this, in this talk, talk about the work we're doing and my, my group, the Association of Asian Healthcare Leaders, because that's why I started that group in the first place. Um, okay, but okay. Um, I started um, my kind of journey in healthcare into this path um, kind of in high school. Obviously, uh, my parents immigrated from China. I was growing up, there was like, you got to be a doctor, you got to sure, be sure. an engineer, you got to be a lawyer. And in fact, I was president of our Future Engineers Club at one point, but I took physics. Sense. and I yeah. I took physics and I said, "Never mind. I don't want to do, <laughs> I don't want to be an engineer. Um, but, uh, you know. And where did what, you
0: grow up again?
1: I grew up in um, New Jersey, South okay. Jersey by Philadelphia. And I, that's why I ended up going to college. Um, but m- before that, my family moved around a lot being immigrants and my dad was in um, school and stuff. And so, um, so what attracted me to healthcare was that when I thought about what I wanted to do was basically help people. And to me, healthcare was the most tangible way you can help people, right? You know, you come with a, you come with a scratch, put a bandaid on it. Wow, you know, change your life uh, to different degrees. Uh, so I uh, applied to colleges pre med, as well as um, ultimately where I went to school was pre PA, um, and so pre physician assistant, which I know you've had some folks, uh, explain what that is and what that looks like. And so I was on an accelerated program at Drexel university in Philadelphia, um, where it was kind of a three plus two, which is not uncommon in these PA programs to do. Um, and so my plan was to graduate in three years, um, and then do PA school for two slash three years and then become a PA, um, uh, Freshman year, things kind of, you know, the transition was kind of rough. Things in my life was kind of rough and ended up actually um, failing out of that program. Um, not failing like F, but like I got a grade that was lower than the um, threshold you needed. Mm-hmm. Um, but I said, I still want to do this. Uh, I'm going to keep pursuing it. Um, and it wasn't until um, my senior year where my I picked up a minor in health administration, which is kind of where it starts coming in because I figured... If I'm supposed to be in the clinical side, I should know about the business side of healthcare as well. Mm-hmm. And so I took that. Um, but it all kind of converged together my senior year, where um, I finished my um, co-op program at Drexel, where we worked, um, you know, in the workplace. And so I did an internship as a, at a therapy as a therapy aide of sorts uh, at a health system, and I was doing everything from helping with therapy, you know, um, doing stretches with people, throwing balls. Uh, to cleaning up pee, right? Stuff like that, clinical stuff. Um, And I was thinking in my head, do I want to do this for the rest of my life? I'm not sure, right? Obviously appreciate the impact, but I'm not sure if I want to do this for the rest of my life. And then I was finding that I really liked my minor, uh, which was really great. And then um, the last part that kind of propelled me to the path was, uh, (laughs) uh, there was actually someone, this, this girl I was interested in, and she was studying free public health. And I was like, I don't even know what public health is. Tell me about it because I want to talk to you, but also I do want to learn. And she told me, you know, public health is about the, um, you know, understanding the factors of people's lives that affect um, healthcare and their health that leads them to the hospital. Because if you think about hospitals, they're almost like, and this is an analogy I've I've heard by the dean of my public health school is that um, they're like the goalie, right? But you, there are so many factors, including offense and defense that Happen before you even get to the goalie, and the goalie can only do their best to stop it, right? So mm-hmm. if you think about public health, um, you know it's all the we call it social determinants of health, uh, things that affect your life, uh, your health in your life that will get you to that. You know your mm-hmm. access to food, your access to housing, and so I said this is actually super interesting, mm-hmm. and I think my my personal skills in you know maybe communication or organization might fit into public health and or health administration. And so I um, ended up graduating um, and um, not, knowing what to do with, do, not knowing what to do with my life. Uh, so I ended up working um, in uh, a high school in West Philadelphia for a year. Um, Sorry, in fact, so just,
0: uh, yeah. real quick. So you graduated with a degree in what then?
1: I, my undergrad degree was health sciences, which is kind of the default degree for people pre-PA.
0: Okay, okay. Uh, okay with my okay. minor in health
1: admin. Okay, and it so was your I minor tried
0: health admin.
1: Exactly. Okay. So I tried, I tried to apply to health admin roles, but found that a lot it was very difficult. Uh, someone who didn't have a major in that, and oh. also that oh. a lot of the roles in the field are master level entry. Depending, uh, at least the well paying ones, right? Okay. Besides being like a medical biller and things like that, which are all still great experiences and roles. Um, so I, uh, in frustration. Um, during applying to those jobs and i'm just going to apply to grad school now because i was going to wait a year but i said i'm just going to do it now and see what happens so i kind of rushed everything through my recommendations um letters of, uh yeah, taking the um, gre things like that mm. and then as i waited i took a role in a school in west philadelphia um working with high schoolers on tutoring and um you know college readiness um And during that time, what also helped me to go to this career was, I just didn't see many people, I didn't know about this career, obviously, until, you know, I talked to, um, or this field until I talked to that girl. But then also, uh, I didn't know if you could actually get a job in this field. Mm. And what helped me was some people from the church I went to um, actually got their master of public health and were consultants and successful. And I said, oh, so this is like a thing, like you can actually get this degree or go this path and like, be successful. And right. so um, that really helped me because I just didn't have any older role, role models, right? All mm-hmm. Everyone I knew became like a doctor or something. Sure. And so, um, <laughs> or maybe I just didn't know many people. I don't know. But um, that's kind of how I initially got into it. And then when I went to grad school, kind of the rest is a little bit history. But later in the line, I started this group called the Association of Asian Healthcare Leaders because I wanted to reach out to people like me who. Didn't even know this was a field and just explain like my path like I'm doing now, but also explain, you know, if you want to become this, this is one path to do it. This is another path. You probably have to get this degree um, or you can go this path and, you know, that could lead to it too.
0: That's amazing. I mean, literally, I, again, I'm like, as you're talking, I'm like, man, my eyes are just being open to like different opportunities that I'm sure a lot of people have never thought about just like when you talk to that girl about public health and stuff Um, I mean I do know a few like people in my life that are in that industry but they're much older than me and so like I think they've been in it for a while but thinking about the young people I know today like I don't think this is even a consideration honestly but you know in an option in someone that like yeah I know a lot of um, young people that are considering going into the medical field because of yeah. the same reason you said, like they want to help people. They want to serve people and help them feel, uh, make them better and to give them quality of life. But wow. What a, what a interesting opportunity for you to do the same thing, but differently, you know?
1: Exactly. And I would say, if you look at people who have gone this path, a lot of us start out pre-med pre-whatever mm-hmm. and they kind of change course. Um, I talked to, Oh, go ahead.
0: Oh, no! I, uh, go ahead. You talk to it. Yeah.
1: <laughs> uh, I talk to a lot of people who are, you know, sometimes they, they say I was pre something, but now I don't know what to do, but I don't know mm. if it's like too late. Like, are there other paths? And I was like, well, I was I was exactly that. And, um, you know, I mean, it took a couple of years, but I'm I would consider myself, you know, doing well now. Um, and, uh, you know, what I encourage them, you know, if you want to pursue this path like there are tons of people who have gone it and and are, are successful and because sometimes people say like oh, i feel like i have to be like a doctor i have to, mm. not to say that those people shouldn't give up i said if you really want to be a doctor like you should go for it for sure right, like right, do whatever you need right. but if you are kind of iffy but still want to be in healthcare and like are good at business and stuff like that like consider this career
0: um, so my one question I had was, so is it beneficial for one in health administration to like no medicine?
1: Um, I would say yes. I, I would say definitely to a degree. Um, obviously you don't have to go get your MD or your DO or, or your or BSN. Um, but if you think about it, you're interfacing with, um, doctors and other clinicians all the time. So you want to know something about what you're talking mm. about, right? Especially in clinical operations. Um, so, you know, it was helpful for me to kind of have some context for my educational background, but um, obviously I didn't go get my MD or anything. So I think in general, I actually think in general, people should know about medicine because that's their health.
0: Yes. Um,
1: but uh, it is important to know a degree about kind of medicine to work in the healthcare field even though you're not a doctor
0: right right and sorry uh, did you so you did go to grad school or you didn't
1: I did so I ended up um, in that gap here I worked in West Philly and I um, ended up getting into a couple of programs uh, so I got my master of public health in Boston University
0: okay amazing uh, wow ba- Boston University man you're just really smart on top of everything else. No, huh? <laughs>
1: Just, Um, um, But,
0: okay, so um, say a high schooler is like, this is interesting. Maybe this is something I want to do. Like, there are, so what you're telling me is that at certain colleges, there are, like, health administration tracks for people?
1: Mm -hmm. Mm. That's right. So, in fact, I actually reached out to my alma mater high school uh, because they have, like, a health club. Uh-huh. And I said, hey, uh, I'm an alum, like class of 2012. Um, it's been a while. I, in fact, my tenure reunion email just came up and I was like, wow, that's crazy. But I said, hey, I would love to speak to high schoolers to talk about like my journey. Um, so to your point, um, to your question, uh, there are some programs, some colleges who have very robust healthcare administration programs. You know, one, well, I'm not sure if I'm allowed to give shout outs, but- um, You
0: can, yeah.
1: There is a program in uh, UT Tech uh, University of Texas at Dallas. From what I've seen, from from kind of our organization, we see a lot of engagement from people who either are there right now or have gone there for undergrad and went to graduate programs across the country. I see. Um, so I, I wouldn't say every school has it is created equal in their undergraduate program, but there are ones that really set you up for success. Um, but you can also major in other things and still work in healthcare. You know, you can major in business. You can major in uh, nursing and go with the health admin route. Um, so, to your question, yeah, I would tell that high schooler if you know you want to do healthcare admin, I might consider some of these colleges that are good at it. Mm-hmm. But I would also say that um, you can also get into this field with a diversity of experience, mm,
0: okay. and you can get
1: you can get you can go to a good master's program
0: after college, even if that's not what you studied.
1: I would say, yeah, I, I would think at least for the master of public health. Um, they're pretty holistic in the way they um, uh, take admissions. Obviously, like you have to have interest in healthcare yeah. and probably a little bit of healthcare experience here and there. But okay. um, yeah,
0: it's not too late, people.
1: <laughs> it's not too late. No, no. Um,
0: you know, you were mentioning. Um, I think maybe before we started recording, that um, are there a lot of Asian Americans in um, health administration?
1: Uh no um so i'll give an example you know one of the reasons that i you know i spoke to earlier i didn't know to go this path because i just didn't see many people who looked like me or the same cultural background as me who did this path and it wasn't until i met some people and i said oh okay like they did it why not mm. why couldn't i do it um so when i went to grad school i was pretty cognizant you know i looked at my classmates actually my classmates were pretty diverse but within public health, you can go a lot of different routes. You can go epidemiology, you can go biostatistics, but within healthcare management, um, I didn't see as many Asians. And so, um, you know, as someone who's keenly aware that they're Asian American, I'm definitely uh, always kind of like looking out. Um, and so one of the things I did was I joined uh, this a professional organization that happens to have an Asian forum or chapter. Um, and one thing that was interesting was that as a student to join the national org, it's $30. To join that Asian healthcare chapter internal to that org was $100. So it was weird. And I was like, why is this so much more expensive? I'm like a student, but why is the subgroup more expensive than the main group, right? Mm-hmm. But I was there for you know two years in that group, but I, I just didn't find much value. Um, mm. I didn't find much. And to be fair, like maybe I should have applied myself more. I was very busy but I just didn't find much value. Um, and so, um, you know, when I, I especially noticed that once I went to Emory, now Emory's great org, great people. Um, but I did find myself in a lot of these executive meetings with really, um, high level folks for me, not to be the only, um, person of, like not the only Asian, but also the only person of color sometimes. Right. Um, that wasn't clinical. And, um, Not, I I don't, and I don't think this is a reflection necessarily on Emory, but I think this is, if you look at, um, healthcare administration in general, uh, I would say the, uh, I would say, and people would agree with me that the standard healthcare administration candidate is probably like a blonde white woman, right. Um, from the South, (laughs) like, that's just like the demographics I've seen. um, um, I mean, great people, of course, uh. And so I definitely became super aware of that, right? Mm. Um, and that's why I started our group, the Association of Asian Healthcare Leaders. I co-founded it. Once someone re- and I can talk about kind of that formation story, but we've grown from you know three founding members to uh, we just hit twelve hundred uh, members <gasps> the other day, which is cool.
0: Amazing. Uh, mm-hmm. So, um, like, as as this group. Like, so you guys just kind of support one another or what is the purpose of it?
1: Yeah. So um, just real quick, the origin of what happened was um, uh, right after the pandemic started, a student reached out to me and she said, she was a student who was working at the time as well. She said, hey, I came across your profile. I see you're very active on LinkedIn, which I'm annoyingly active on LinkedIn. Um, She said, "Uh, I don't see many Asians who are in healthcare, uh, one. Two, I don't see many Asians who are in healthcare who are active on LinkedIn, who mm-hmm. are younger careerists, right? And she was like, "I would love to connect," and I was like, "Yeah, sure." Um, and we chatted, and you know, I said I completely agree with you that I don't see many Asians in this um, field, like even in the group I've joined in the national org. I just didn't see much engagement. And we said we should do something, like we should like form a group, we should do an event, and um, you know, we kind of went from there, um, and. Uh, what we did to kick off our, our group, and this has kind of been the staple of our kind of programming in this group, was to do a um, webinar event on administrative fellowships. So that's the program I was telling you earlier that I was in. Because you see a lot of these programs, because they're pretty. Uh, I'm not trying to do my own horn, but they're pretty like prestigious programs, like pretty. No, coveted. it
0: sounds like incredible. I'm like, and I, I'm assuming there's quite a lengthy interview process and yeah a lot of screening and stuff so like truly i'm like in awe of everything you've accomplished thus far but Appreciate yes continue um, continue the webinar but, itself yeah the so,
1: webinar so we um we wanted to do the program and um we there are webinars that exist like this but what we wanted to do was kind of do asian faces in healthcare places where we featured an exclusive asian like faces lineup
0: and healthcare <laughs> that's
1: exclusive lineup of like Asian Americans uh, or Asians um, in this space. And so we actually approached um, the uh, Asian healthcare group that I was in, you know, paying a hundred bucks to a year. And um, they basically shot us down as a partnership opportunity. And we said, okay, well, we could either like just be sad or we could just go rogue and do our own thing. Cause like, what's stopping us from just having a zoom call. Right. And like Mm -hmm. featuring Asians in healthcare.
0: yeah.
1: Um, and so we we just made our own flyer and spread it out on LinkedIn. We had nearly 300 people register. Um, and so clearly, like it was, and that's not only close to, eight, it's not only for Asians, right? Anyone who's interested can join. But our intent was to really show that there are Asians who like went this path and were successful and you can do it too. Um, and so, uh, you know, we had the first event and then we kicked off the group and the intention of the group to your question is to both support people to be able to you know if you join the group and you're like i have, i, w- I want to work in um california at this hospital and mm-hmm. you can like kind of scroll in the group and be like oh this person like let me talk to them right because mm-hmm. otherwise you like s- looking all over linkedin google whatever that's one we, we want we would love to be like the central place people think of when they think of asians and healthcare business specifically um and so um that's one aspect but the other aspect is that since then we've done panels on, you know, fellowships, internships, consulting. Uh, we just did one on data analytics. Um, we've done ones with educators who are program, you know, Asian program managers of healthcare administration programs. Those are like very rare to find, um, cause it's Asian healthcare administration and education, right? Those are like <laughs> the most narrow circle there, but, um, uh, we do that. and We do networking. And uh, every time I go to a new city personally, I'll hit up, we have a group me, and I'll hit up the group me, saying, Hey, I'm going to DC, like let's meet up. And then I'll just like get together with a bunch of people for the first time. And because we've engaged in the past, it's almost like meeting old friends. Right. Yeah. Except yeah. I met them online.
0: Oh, wow. What an amazing resource.
1: I know. So, you know, when my half my camera roll is me trolling on, trolling around on LinkedIn and finding Asians who work in healthcare spaces and just screenshotting that so I can add them later on to my desktop
0: that's amazing wow I can tell you really have a heart to to like really champion Asian Americans in healthcare so I'm like uh so like guys this is what a great resource if you're interested I'm assuming anyone yes. can just kind of look into it right
1: yeah so we um you know we would love to have one day have a website so we don't have a website yet. We're working to become a 501c3, I believe. Um, it's mean, so a nonprofit, uh, which uh, I don't know if you, got, you people listening know, but it, there's a, some paperwork involved and it takes a while. It's, it's um, so intense to be. Yeah. A 501c3. Um, <laughs> the other piece is that so, our main community we consider is our um, LinkedIn group, uh, which okay. that figure, the 1200 figure, is uh, the membership of that group. Um, and so, um, they can just uh, look us up on LinkedIn. Um, we we utilize um, some Asian pages on Facebook uh, with Asian groups called, you know, subtle Asian. Well, it used to be called Subtle Asian Networking, but now it's called um, Rise. I, I'm not sure what it stands for. We have a good partnership with their leadership, so we they help post our events so that people who are just on Facebook casually, like, oh, what I wish I'd do with my life. Oh, look, interesting event can find us as well. Um, and so, uh, and we have like a. People who go to our event get added to our email listserv We send out kind of new updates and things like that.
0: Oh, awesome, man. Okay, so you guys check it out. Um, yes. <laughs> what it, so these. on LinkedIn, they just type in what?
1: Uh, so on LinkedIn, what they can do uh, is type in the Association of Asian Healthcare Leaders, abbreviated okay. as AL or AAHL. And what will come up will be two things. Uh, a company page that you can follow uh, which is fine, uh, we post some updates there. But the more engaging part is the LinkedIn group that you can request to join. Um, and uh, once you join that, you can see all the members who are in there as well as different posts. Um, I'm oftentimes posting job listings I'm finding. We've had recruiters um, you know, come to our page and say, hey, I'm hiring for this role. Uh, in fact, one of the job offers I was talking about earlier came from someone who posted on our page. So oh gosh, without, gosh. I almost manifested my own destiny by making the page, right? Um, yeah.
0: That's pretty cool, man. Um, okay, so I have to ask you, going back to your job um, as, man, I I forgot the title again, Innovation, what Innovation you Hub
1: Administrator. Oh,
0: sorry, Innovation Hub Administrator. Right. Um, how did COVID affect, I mean, you started in 2019, right? Right. Right, um, and then the pandemic hit. Like, what part of 2019 did you start?
1: So I started uh, July 2019. So you know, it was basically six, uh, what six, seven eight months, seven
0: months, maybe. Right, that you were there. Right.
1: Um. Yeah. So you know, that wasn't in my current role, but in, in my previous role as a fellow, um, it definitely totally changed things. Right. Uh, turned things upside down. Uh, I our fellowship program. What the way it works is that we get matched up with a preceptor who is interested in, in working with a fellow. Um, it's also good for them because the way our structure works is that they basically get a free resource. They don't have to pay for a full-time employee. Mm-hmm. So they have these bright and um, bushy-tailed people and who want
0: to yeah.
1: <laughs> to like do work, right? in their first <laughs> job of their career, really. Um, and so um, I worked in quality. And so I was working on different quality projects, process improvement across the hospitals, things like that. And then what happened was, uh, COVID hit. I thought I had COVID, so I, I like stayed home. I didn't have COVID in the beginning; it was fine. But like at that point, any sore throat was like, "Oh my god, this is COVID." Yeah, of course. Um, and to be fair, now with Omicron, like any sore throat could be COVID. <laughs> no,
0: absolutely, <laughs> but, um,
1: yes. But with that, um, what happened first was that my um, one of my preceptors came to me saying, "Hey, we really need some help." Um, um, Everyone and their brother knows someone who has protective equipment, you know, gowns, gloves, whatever, who want to either sell or give it to us, but, and they don't know who to talk to. So they're just emailing all their doctor people who are also Mm. really busy, right? Mm. So what we did, well, well, what I initially helped starting with, with was helping just contact some of these people so that we can lessen the load on others. But what we ended up doing was making a centralized email address for everyone to forward their emails to, um, so that we would um, address them. So I ended up leading a team of around thirty redeployed employees to help address, um, you know, these emails, kind of triage them, and we developed a system where it's like, okay, fill out this form, then we'll validate it in a way or get to get it organized, and we'll sell it. We'll we'll bring it to the purchasing team. And they will determine whether or not we want to buy this, right? So that's one side. The other side is like donations. So uh both small individual and large organization wanted to help out in any way they could. You know, you you saw the advertisements back then, you know, helping out healthcare people. Um, and so um I helped coordinate, you know, some stuff with LaCroix, who wanted to donate um tons of pallets of LaCroix, right? Or Cliff Bar, right? But also helped, uh, you know, direct people to our donation center where people could just drive up and, um, you know, offload things to them. And so I was doing that for a little bit. um, And then, you know, donations and things kind of died down. But that was really neat, because um, I was kind of working from home because of COVID, because I didn't need to be in the hospital. But depending on the day, I was... um, going to our, our director of infection prevention's house to pick up gowns to deliver to one of our hospitals at 10 PM. Right. I was Mm -hmm. getting up at 6 AM to deliver a prototype gown to uh, a clothing manufacturer who wanted to uh, help make gowns. I was court talking to a theater company who wanted to use their seamstress to help make reusable gowns. Right. So every day was like very different. Right. It was really cool. Um, you know, helping coordinate iPad donations. Um, so I moved from that to my second hospital, which was more focused on, I wanted to get the actual fellowship experience of working in a hospital, nitty gritty hospital. Um, and so I was doing that, but obviously COVID affected all operations mm-hmm. there, right? And so a lot of my projects were around, what do we do if we run out of beds in the hospital? Do we open up the dining room? Like, do we put like stretchers in the cafeteria? Like, what if it gets, like, if it gets that bad, I remember it being on a meeting in my fellowship, maybe like February of 2020. And there was a meeting, they are like, okay, if COVID comes, if a patient with COVID comes to our hospital, we're going to put them in the Ebola room, which actually, fun fact, Emory University Hospital, being so close to the CDC, um, is the f- hospital that treated the Ebola patients back in the day um, when they were in the US.
0: Oh, no, I um, remember, so, clearly. So we so, so we had- Like two or three of them or something. Exactly,
1: like that, I yeah. Um, I actually saw them speak on the reunion um, a couple of years, like, you know-
0: Wait, pre- Has it been a long time? I feel like that was like so- i think it was
1: 2014 and so 2019 was a five-year reunion
0: oh my gosh um, if, i felt like that was not that long ago but anyways keep going yes
1: <laughs> right so i remember being in a room where they were like okay if a covid patient comes they're gonna go to the ebola room and then someone goes what if we run out of room in the ebola room and they're like okay we're gonna put him in this like negative pressure room that's like sealed off blah blah, blah. and then someone goes what if we run out of room there and then someone goes then we're screwed. <laughs> then, like, it's basically in the community, and then, um, you know,
0: I see. Week, yeah. oh,
1: two weeks later, here we are, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah. I mean, we can all kind of empathize with how quickly lives changed. Yeah. Um. And so, um, you know, being on the hospital operations that was cool. And then what happened was, um, I, we started hearing about vaccines, right? Mm-hmm. And so, uh, me being who I am, I guess I sent an email to our director of pharmacy who um, basically during this time, uh, Emory had uh, what we call incident command center, which is kind of like the war room, right? Mm-hmm. So every day at five, 10 a.m. and 5 p.m., they had the ICC calls where all the leaders across Emory would come together and give updates like, okay, how are we doing on ventilators? How are we doing on this, that, or the other? And then um, just kind of addressing it as needed. Uh, and so um, every so often our team would get shout outs because we were like, hey, like uh, the, the procurement team helped or the donation team helped get these or like work with these. So like kind of kudos time. But on one of these calls, uh, we heard about vaccines. So I, I emailed director of pharmacy and I said, hey, as you know, like I'm a fellow, I wanna help out. Like, I wanna learn, like, is there any way to help out with vaccines? And she goes, nope. And I go, okay. Two hours later, she's like, uh, actually we might need help. Uh, let me talk, let me point you to the project manager who herself was a former fellow as well. And though I talked to the project manager, she goes, you know, I don't think we really need help right now. So I said, okay, um, let me know. And then two hours later, she comes back. She goes, actually, we do need help. We would love some help thinking about how do we staff a vaccine clinic, um, like because usually when you think about uh, a hospital clinic or a um, you know outpatient clinic, you hire staff to do that, right? We don't have the time to do that. We need right. staff ASAP, right? So how do we how do we um, get staff in a way that is effective and quick? And, and safe that we don't need to like hire new people all the time. And so I, you know, I came up with that idea, um, using actually sign up genius. You might be familiar with it. Oh, if you're Yeah. Using I know
0: Sign Up Genius. my preschool, my pre-K. Exactly.
1: exactly. <laughs> that's what it's usually used for. Right. I've used it for like volunteer events. Right. But what I did was create like a framework and say like, okay, we need eight vaccine administrators. We need two, uh, you know, pharmacy prep people. We need X wayfinders We need these people, whatever it is, like tons of roles. Right. And I put it in that um, Sign Up genius format oh for each God. day. And I said, Hey, um, here's my proposal. Just an idea. I don't know if you guys want to use it. And then they go, the project team goes, Oh, actually this might work. Let's like, can you present it to the leadership team? And I'm like, all right, if you trust me, I, I'll try. And then I present to the leadership team. They go, Hey, uh, let's, Try. let's do this and i go okay <laughs> and i'm like you want to put like the staffing of the vaccine clinic in like my hands uh okay like i'll i'll try my best um and all during this time i was just Did like you
0: staff stonecrest mall uh
1: not stonecrest mall i helped do uh, uh north lake mall
0: okay i think uh, stonecrest
1: mall was probably the department of public health
0: oh uh, i felt like it was an Emory site though I got um, vaccinated at Stonecrest, is why.
1: <laughs> but oh, but I remember, I
0: remember being super impressed with the whole thing because really? I was like, "This is like insane! Like, how did they? I mean, everything was so smooth. Yeah, you know, se- you know every the way everything was segmented. People knew what they were doing. I was so appreciative yeah. of everybody."
1: But. you like wait in a certain area yeah
0: you know. yeah but anyway sorry i didn't mean to interrupt no you,
1: no but. i mean um i wish it was you went to ours uh, ours was also very efficient um Maybe I went to north
0: lake i, I forget we'll it was a mall
1: no we were literally in a coles um Like a former Coles. Yeah. Like
0: Um, it was like empty space. Like,
1: yeah, no, that might be ours. We should talk more about that later. Yeah. It might be ours.
0: Okay. but Um,
1: (laughs) But I mean, not to say there's not hiccups, right? Like we would learn from our mistakes, but, um, I remember, so they were like, yes, Eddie, like help implement this day one where we, you know, and I was like, uh, okay. We had like a small, you know, night opening on the day we got the vaccines, like finally from the department of public health. And, um. I was literally just sitting there praying that people would show up because like what we did was people signed up, but you know how like it can be right. like people right. sign up, right. but they don't show up. Right. Especially if you think about it, these are either volunteers and or doing it on top of their normal work hours. Mm. So like they might be tired. Uh, and so I ended up like hire, like overstaffing just in case. Um, and then the, the first night like they were supposed to come at like X time. And I was just praying. I was like, please show up. Yeah. Like, I, and they did. Right. And then it worked out really well. And they were like, all right, let's do it night two. And so we kept going through the first, we got the vaccines on like a Wednesday, maybe a Thursday. And then we got through the, 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 the uh, you know, the week. And then we did what we did was like a 12 hour weekend session where it was like three shifts, like, That's crazy. you know, 6am, then 12pm, then 9pm. And so I, sh- I helped schedule like each of those. So I was in the background, like making sure, and I was helping like check in people.
0: Holy um, smokes.
1: And then every time I was like, please show up, like, please like don't, but it was really great. Cause like, I mean, I think everyone wanted to help out. Right. Cause everyone finally had some hope that this pandemic might be able to change or end yeah. because we had yeah. these vaccines. And so yeah. it was really cool for me. Cause I got to see leaders who were, you know, they would come in as CEOs to like, you know, help out, like, you know, just be a presence, but some of them are doctors. So I would, they would be like in the basement, helping mix the vaccines. They were helping give shots. Like, I thought that was really inspiring. I right. Love
0: that. Yeah. Um, definitely
1: like servant leadership. And then, um, you know, we, we saw people who were like school of nursing faculty who don't, you know, give shots anymore, but they were like, I'm willing to help. Like, I will do this. Like I'll help people who are retired reaching out saying like, you know, I'm retired, but like, I want to help the community. Like, I want to see this end. Um, so that was really like, you know, I'm, I'm a little emotional talking no, about it. Yeah.
0: I, I'm um, about to cry too. <laughs> I
1: yeah. Love so that. it was, it was cool just, you know, seeing them and um, you know, we had the mall space um, you know, the mall by day was our testing center, right. Um, where we did COVID tests by night. It was our vaccine center. Mm. But during the day for actual vaccines, we actually had near the mall, a drive-through. Uh, it's like a former Sears, kind of like your auto shop, right? Yes, yes. Um, that we. I think right, I
0: went to that one.
1: The the driving one.
0: Oh, okay, I don't know. Okay, keep going. Well,
1: <laughs> I will say though, a lot of like we had people um, come visit ours as like best practice to understand like what we did. So I would speak to them like, "This is how we staff. This is like what we did, right?" And so they a lot like people spoke to me from like North Carolina. People spoke to us from. over the country because like we seem to be doing it well
0: man man, Um, that's awesome
1: and so during those days uh we were in the back you know outdoors in the rain in the winter right it's like Mm -hmm. january um and so people you know i saw uh school of medicine students like come and volunteer to be like you know giving directions right people would drive through um and like get their shots and like they would be crying they'd be dancing whatever and i worked with like people to get the swag and some days we ran out of, um, hand warmers. So I drove to REI and I was like, where are your hand warmers? And they, they they told me, and I was just like, give me all of them. And then like, uh, another time was I went to, uh, we ran out of like band-aids. Right. And so I went to, um, Sam's club and I was like, tell me what the band-aid section is. And they told me, and I literally took the whole, I took like one or two. And I was like, no, I took the entire, like, you know, little pallet full uh-huh, and I uh-huh. just took it out. To my car so like just driving around doing random errands like to get it done right because yeah. i feel like it was very much like wartime effort like all yeah. hands on deck
0: oh my gosh i love all of this like eddie you are a frontline worker you <laughs> in a
1: way i mean no in in
0: so many ways like even you know from the beginning of just um I mean, from the vaccines and what you were talking about before, when you were uh, kind of seeing everything unravel and like talking about what to do next if if rooms were to to, to fill up, like I just um, thank you. If no if no one's told you that, thank you. <laughs> I'm sure many people uh, have told you. Thank the you. Thanks.
1: Yeah, but <laughs> it's definitely you no. Know, I appreciate that. I think sometimes you know people always like to... This is a caveat for everyone who has listened this far and still interested in health admin. People like to hate on health admins sometimes because they're like, oh, these people, blah, blah, blah. But um, it was cool to be on the ground to see kind of the impact that some of the stuff I was doing. Right. And so I was able to say, wow, in a way, like these people um, are getting their vaccines because of me, because I'm helping create the platform for the staff to come in. Right.
0: No, absolutely. Absolutely. A hundred percent. And as someone that like really appreciates behind the scenes, like truly, that's Um, something so simple but no one thought of and without it who knows what would have happened so um, really it's really cool really cool Eddie I um, am so grateful to hear your story and your journey Mm -hmm. Um, I we are kind of coming up on our time together Uh, was there something that you wanted to talk about that I didn't ask you about
1: um you know not not fully I I would say you know in the context of thinking about this podcast you know when i grew up right um what i would love to encourage people who listen to this far is to say that um i didn't ever think that i would be where i was you know i sometimes think about you know if 18 year old me saw me now what would he think right mm-hmm. um because i thought about this when i graduated college where i was making less than minimum wage like no job exactly like whatever and i was like dang call you know high school me would be like what happened like i thought we got into this program and i thought you're gonna like become a physician assistant but then when i think about you know 18 year old me now he'd be like oh this is very different than what i expected but like it's cool stuff um so i would say that i think like you know if you're feeling down in life like you know continue to work hard and you know connect with people in a way that you know you can look back and hopefully you know uh 18 year old you or like five year old you would be like wow like adult things very cool um but I think a lot of what I've gotten in my life what I, a couple of things I've realized is like I'm just gonna spew out my limited life wisdom is like um relationships are super super important I think you know both professionally I've gotten all my jobs from I think like well minus is a fellowship job but you know, forming relationships in a way that is, um, you know, being proactive on my part to understand, um, you know, how I can support those people, but also um, thinking about what I want in my career and life. Um, And then kind of taking action. Um, I think a lot of Asian Americans are raised for better or for worse, um, to kind of sit in the background and just kind of take what's given to them. Yeah. But what we see in the entrepreneurship realm and, um, in my experience is that, um, you know, when I've asked for things, um, yeah, I've been rejected here and there, but a lot of times, um, you know, to the, even the vaccine story, right, I just asked, um, and they said no to me multiple times. Right. Um, but, um, if you just kind of put yourself out there, Things can happen, um, so I've kind of taken that philosophy in in different areas of my life. Um, and then the other part I would say is like, um, you know, I think it's it's cool to be able to. For me, it's always about giving back, which is why partly I'm doing this podcast. So hopefully, someone can like learn from it, mm-hmm. and you know why we do the Association of Asian the Association of Asian Healthcare Leaders is to hopefully give back to the me of you know, my college time uh, or the high school of me who just had no idea. Uh, And sometimes I always think about an exercise we do is like worst case scenario. Like, what is the worst thing that could happen from this group? I was like, well, I guess the worst thing is like it shut down. But like, even if it does, like I made some great friends along the way. I've made some great connections. I've grown in confidence Um, and hopefully we've inspired people. You know, in fact, um, um, we just released our inaugural newsletter And one of the things we did was we featured people who were going into, you know, who are in our group, who are going into fellowship roles like mine that I did. And what they did was they spoke to how the association helped them. Um, They said like, oh, without this, like we wouldn't have um, known about this or the other. I got to connect with all these people who helped mentor me, you know, and it was great because I personally have reached out to a lot of them, give them advice or thoughts. Um, But, uh, you know, part of it was like, wow, if we didn't exist, I mean, I'm sure they would have gotten things, right? But in a way, like we've, and it's cool because we started two years ago and this is like, our almost like these people who are getting fellowships now started grad school at the same time we did. And so it's almost like our first graduating class.
0: Yeah, I mean, Um, it's truly rewarding, I feel like.
1: And so hopefully, you know, you know, I went to healthcare to want to help people. And so hopefully like not only through that group, but like not only through my job, but also through like, you know, the things we did we can help people. So I I would basically say that to encourage people to, you know, if there's a need that you see like available, um, yes, like there will be someone hopefully to do that, but like, why not you? Right. I think that a lot of Asian Americans struggle with kind of, not to say I don't struggle with this still, right. Like imposter syndrome and like humidity. I think that that is something that, you know, we can all grow in, but also, um, I think that can also be used as a strength, right? Like listening first, like you don't have to be bombastic all the time. I think it's personal strength of mine is wanting to, which is useful in both the Asian healthcare thing, but also in innovation is to kind of listen, right? I think like be quiet first and then be able to be confident in what you're speaking to. Um, so it's a kind of that mix of like listening, being quiet, but not in like a, you know, timid way, but um, being quiet for a purpose. Um, and then taking action when you need to take action.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So I just want to encourage folks. Yeah. Yeah. No. I mean, super encouraging. And um, thank you for sharing. I feel like all of the advice that you just gave is really sound advice for anyone um, interested in this um, field. Um, and just like your tip on relationships, too. Like, I mean, yeah. I think don't burn any bridges and like, yeah. make sure you know that you have relationships that mm-hmm. um, are meaningful, not just like to you know, not for like superficial. Like, I want to get get somewhere, use you somehow. But um, I think having meaningful relationships, I think even your mentor, right? That got you this, your boss, your current boss, you know, um, like he, I'm sure he you, he didn't feel like it was just like you wanted him for something. I'm sure um, there was relationship built. So yeah. Eddie, thank you so much. I do, I'm so sorry. Before we, we end our time together, I'm curious, is there something that you don't like about your job?
1: <laughs> yeah, well, I would say this, um, innovation in general is a pretty sometimes nebulous field, right? Both to laymen, to, to your point, Glare, I I love the questions that you asked to actually tangibly understand what I do. Um, because I think even in healthcare, innovation can be seen as a lot of different realms. Um, and with that comes challenges and that not everyone, um, who might approach us like knows exactly kind of the way to, um, do things that in a way that's like relative to the healthcare system. So I think it can be a little frustrating to like navigate that sometimes, but that's like a growing process. And, and mm-hmm. through that comes kind of my role as program manager to, um, you know, think about how we lessen that, that, that burden. I would also say working in healthcare can be frustrating because healthcare is kind of slow to, to change. Um, it's a lot of bureaucracy sometimes um, for better or for worse. I think a lot of, that is around kind of the, the safety sensitivity around patient data and stuff like that. Um, but also, um, you know, uh, you can look at the way medical training is it's very kind of archaic where it's like, you know, the attending teaches the resident. Um, and so I would say that that can be frustrating sometimes like mm-hmm. a lot of red tape, um, mm-hmm. that, you know, maybe my friends in tech don't deal with. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, um, and so, um, that's, that's general health administration. Um, but, you know, to that point, always being able to look back and and thinking about, okay, yes, this was like really a pain to get through all this red tape. But now hopefully we impact this in lives is always always good.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, Well, thank you again for being so transparent in all of my questioning. Um, I really appreciate it. Um, Do you, are you open to um, communicating or connecting with somebody that maybe has more questions about what you do?
1: Oh, yeah. Happy to. Um, you can reach out to me on um, usually LinkedIn. Um, I don't know how else uh, people reach out to folks, but you know, obviously I have a cell phone and things. But um, uh, yeah, happy to connect. I mean, that is uh, the driving reason why we created our, our Asian healthcare group. Yeah. But also, I mean, happy to connect with anyone. I mean, people know, refer their friends uh, over or they, whatever it is. Yeah.
0: Yeah, no, I de- I'm definitely because now I, you're the only person I know okay, in this yeah. industry. So mm. if there's anyone that is interested um, in health administration and has questions, um, hit me up through social media. You can DM me or you can email me at podcastwigu at gmail.com. And I'll connect you to the only person that I know <laughs> knows what he's talking about. And that's Eddie Lai. So thank you again, Eddie. I really appreciate your time today
1: course. Thank you so much, Claire. Awesome.
0: Until next time, guys. Bye!